Welcome to the One Crossing Podcast. Here you can find past sermons along with other exclusive content. Our prayer is that God will move in your life even when you are on the go. We hope you enjoy this message. I was driving my boys home from church a couple months back and we were getting into those father-son conversations and my wife was in the passenger seat overhearing it and I asked my boys, what do you wanna be when you grow up? My youngest says, I wanna be a preacher. My oldest says, he wants to be a police officer. I said, that's fantastic. You guys are gonna be great at both of those things. Uh, We drive a little bit further and then uh, my oldest goes, dad, do police officers, do they make enough money to drive a Lamborghini? I said, uh, well, I, I don't, no, they don't. I, I've never seen a police officer who gets to drive a Lamborghini. I drive for a little bit. Dad, what job do you have to get where you can get a Lamborghini in a couple of weeks? My youngest son, a robber. <laughs> That's what I'm raising in my house. Uh, last, uh, last week, we started a sermon series called Beyond, where we want to kind of touch the heavenly. We want to do things beyond the routine, be out of the rut. We want to go beyond. And there were a couple takeaways from last weekend. Some of you, I've been hearing the stories. You've been emailing them in. You've been sharing them. You've been messaging them. You've been sharing them to other people. It's been so cool to see how God's been working in all of your guys' lives all across this region. But the first takeaway uh, was that small steps of faith can bring about big blessings. And that even a small step of faith is still a step of faith. Uh, We talked about what you can do with what you have is nothing compared to what God can do with what you have when you place it in his hands. And then we talked about uh, that God is not honored, that the kingdom isn't built, that people aren't blessed by our accumulation, but through our distribution, that the kingdom of God advances when we distribute instead of accumulate. And then the fourth one, which is where a lot of you guys really kind of jumped in, was we want to be a a group of people who are a part of the miracle. That lots of people can see the miracle and other people can experience the miracle. But the true joy, the true power comes when we decide to be part of the miracle. We don't want to settle for something being done on our behalf. We want to actually partner with the divine and do something special. And that's where I talked about the land of sea. That all of us, no matter where we're at in our life, we all know that we have to get from point A to point B. And that there are obligations that we have to fulfill in between point A and point B. And that we have a choice to make, that we can either trust God or we can try and do it all on our own. And those of us who choose to trust God, trying to make it from point A to point B, from time to time, what we notice is that God does something special and he doesn't just take us to point B, he takes us to what I call the land of C. And we encourage you guys to share your land of C stories at thecrossing.net slash land of C. And if you have not been there and read some of those stories, they're incredible. And I know some of you, you're in the middle of writing your story. I was hearing some even as I was walking into church today. I read this one. This one comes from our Jacksonville location. She says this, I'm doing my best to raise my son to recognize opportunities to be kind to others. 
We decided that pizza might be a nice treat for the Jacksonville police officers to show them that we appreciate their service and to recognize how difficult their job can be. While we were in the drive-through ordering self several pizzas for the police department, we noticed that the car in front of me, which just so happened to be supporting a thin blue line sticker, had left their gas can open. So I got out of my car and I approached their vehicle, letting the driver know not to be startled because I also wasn't wearing a mask, but that I was just closing her gas cap. She thanked me and I got back in my car and I started discussing with my son all the ways uh, that we can choose to do kind things for strangers and that it not only makes them feel good, but that it also makes us feel good too. Well, we pulled forward to the window and the employee informed me that the driver of that car had wanted to thank me for closing their gas cap and purchased all the pizzas that I had ordered. So I started tearing up as I explained to the employee who we were actually buying the pizzas for and why we were buying the pizzas. It was such an incredible moment and served as a priceless lesson for my child and for myself, if I'm being honest. We made, to sure, we made sure to let the officers know that the kindness of the stranger in the drive-through, and we keep our eyes peeled all over town looking for them because we wanna thank them personally. They were taken from point A, not just to point B, but they were taken into the land of sea. I got this story. A gentleman went to Dairy Queen on Sunday night, which it's a smart decision. It's a help way to recap the sermon get a little upside down action, hoping that they don't so you get it for free, and uh, pulls into the drive-thru. And uh, while he's there, uh, he pays for the person behind him, and the person at the cash register said, another one? We've had this happen eight or nine times today, and each time it happens, it lasts for 45 minutes to an hour as people keep paying it forward. He said, well, that's because I was at church this weekend and got to talk to her about a relationship with Jesus. I had a campus pastor who's a cheapskate and he's been going to uh, KFC all week because he's pretty sure that nobody was gonna be behind him in the KFC line. And I confronted him on that. So go to KFC this week, everybody. All right, if you work at KFC, that was just a cheap joke. I was just being funny and it was inappropriate. And you can email Jerry at Jerry Harris at the crossing. <laughs> .net, pay it forward, okay? I wanna welcome you joining from all of our different locations. I hope you've had a great week so far, and I'm praying that God is gonna do something in this sermon, in this moment, in each and every single one of our lives, and I don't just wish it for those of you at our locations, I wish it for all of you who are watching online wherever you're joining us from. Today's message is called Beyond the Math. Everybody say math. math. Who hates math? Yeah, I get it, I, I, I get it. Uh, have you ever noticed that sometimes things just don't add up? That things just frustrate you? Like, I think when people see me and my wife, they go, that doesn't add up. That doesn't add up. It's because my wife's blind, okay? She can't see well. She can't see good. Okay, or how about this one? How many of you were like, you, did, you placed well in the spelling bee? You were a spelling bee person? Okay, I see a couple of you. I think to speak the English language, you gotta be one of the smartest people on planet Earth. And to spell in the English language, what's this word? What? 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 One. Did you notice that there's not a wa-wa? 
What's this word? Where's the wah wah? Right here. Doesn't even need it, but it has it. But you could definitely use it over here. How about this one? Don't freak out. What's that word? That's the, only one person, everybody else is like, no. Not saying it, not saying it in church. Not in 2020, Lord, not in 2020, okay? I'll say it, bomb, right? So is that Tom? No, that's tomb, okay? So is this coomb? No, that's comb. So is this? Can I just put a P here and call it poem? Nope, this is poem. Oh, so is this home? Nope, that word doesn't exist. This is home. Question. So then what's this word? It's not some? Nope, this word's some. Okay, so if I'm numb, Is that numb? Nope, this is numb. You know what I call that? The English language is dumb, or dome, or doom, or however you say it. There's just certain things that just don't add up. Or how about this, there's no egg in eggplant. There's no ham in a hamburger. There's no apples or pines in pineapples. This is where it gets real freaky. There's lemonade has imitation flavoring, but furniture polish is made with real lemon juice. What, what are we drinking here? How come phonetic isn't spelled phonetically? This is the world we have created. And why of all the occupations are what doctors do called practice? There are just certain things that just don't add up. Yeah, I'm, I'm opening up a doctor's practice. I don't wanna to go to that one. I wanna to go to the guy who's finished. I wanna to go to the doctor's game time. That's where I wanna go for surgery, right? I wanna be there at the championship, okay. Now, when it comes to God, there's all kinds of things that don't, don't add up about him either. He says some radical stuff. For instance, in God's economy, he says things like this. If you wanna be the first in line, go to the end of the line. And if you're at the end of the line, you're at the front of the line. What? In God's economy, he says things like this. Whoever will be first will be last, and whoever's last will be first. He says, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom of God, your job is to be the servant of all. Things don't always add up. So you have to go beyond the math. Today we're gonna look at five specific people and how they interact with God, and I wanna see what you see in the text. It starts in Acts chapter four, verses 32 through 37. All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, 
all that there was no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anybody who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, brought the money, and put it at the apostles' feet. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. He's doing what he saw Barnabas do. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied or just lied to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all the people who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, which nothing's changed in 2,000 years. His wife was about three hours late to church. He came to first service. She ended up coming to second, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that's the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At this moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. I wanted to just give you guys a real uplifting passage as you guys are trying to navigate 2020 to just get your hearts just really right, okay? Now, what do these gifts have in common? Both gifts were free gifts. They were seeing the needs of people and they responded freely. They weren't obligated to do this. They weren't required to do this. They felt like they wanted to do it. Second thing that these gifts have in common, they were both sacrificial. I mean, depending on where you live in the county or where you live in this region or where you live in the world, imagine what a couple acres of land would go for. These were not small moves. These were pretty substantial gifts. And both of them make a sacrificial gift. But what was different? Barnabas's gift, it was an, it was an honest gift. It was an example of sincere and genuine generosity. But Ananias and Sapphira's gift was deceptive. It was a lie, and not just to the people, but it was a lie against God. The money belonged to them. They could have done whatever they wanted with it, and they could have given any amount, 
But they showed up saying, hey, we wanna give all the money that we just made from the land that we just sold to help out all the people who are in need, knowing full well that they were keeping a percentage back for themselves. When they could have just said, hey, here is some of the money from the land that we sold. What was going on? What was going on behind the scenes to mess this up? They were trying to intentionally misrepresent what they were giving. Their gift was designed not to honor God and not to meet the needs of the people. Their gift was designed to gain the approval of men. The message says it this way, be especially careful when you're uh, trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. When you do something for someone else, don't call attention to yourself. You've seen them in action, I'm sure. Placators, I call them. Treating prayer meetings and street corners alike as a stage. Acting compassionate as long as somebody is watching. Always playing to the crowds. They get applause, true, but that's all they're gonna get. When you help someone out, don't think about how it looks, just do it quietly and unobtrusively. That is the way your God, who conceived you in love, working behind the scenes, helps you out. It's not about you and I getting all the glory. Peter acknowledges Satan's work in their lives. They've made men out to be their idols, and so in their gift, they're not worshiping God, they're worshiping men, and God said, you shall have no other gods before me. They weren't giving to please God, and they weren't giving to help people. They were giving to please the people around them, but giving is supposed to be motivated by two things, our love for God and our love for his people. And in a virtue signaling culture, where everybody is worried about how does their brand come across. I was talking to a guy about working at our church and he says, I just don't know how that'll work in with my brand. And I said, I don't think we need to talk anymore. <laughs> like, uh, okay, bye. Because our brand isn't, our brand, our brand is blood-bought. Our brand is Christ. That's our brand. And when we try to selfie our way into heaven, it won't work. And when we try to show everybody how good we are and how awesome we are, oh, look at this poor person I'm helping give food. Uh, I don't think that that's what God had in mind. He says, when you... When you give to people in need, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. Ananias is trying to turn all the spotlights on him, and God flat out rejects it. This probably the second biggest gift given to the church at that time, and God said, because it wasn't about God, and it wasn't about God's people, it was about him. Second story. Uh, this story is about a bunch of rich people and a poor widow. Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. Jesus sat down opposite the place where offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. 
But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Then Jesus called all of his disciples. Guys, come here, come here, come here, come here. Look, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. There's some takeaways inside of here. The first one is, rich people were giving to God. They were giving in proportion to their income. Large income should result in large giving. Uh, we buy nice uh, clothes to make us look better than we are. We buy nice vehicles to make sure that we come across better than we are. We got, get nice houses. So that way when we take pictures in front of those houses with our kids before we send them to school, people know, oh my goodness, that must be a nice neighborhood. They must be doing very well for themselves. And when we go on vacations, we make sure that we go on nice vacations. So when we take pictures of ourselves in those, people are like, oh my goodness, they must be doing really good. If I were to work just a little bit harder, maybe I could go on a vacation like that too. We spend all this time trying to convince people how rich we are. We want to make sure we have the right purses, the right phones, the right stuff. And then we try to act broke. Because when it's tax time, we're like, boy, it was just a real tough year. I just don't, oof, it's just been tough. It's been real hard. And when it comes time to helping people in need or accomplishing the mission of Christ, ah, oh boy, it's just been real tight. Ugh, wish we could, but it's been tough. We spend our whole lives trying to show people how well off we are. And then the moment we have an opportunity to help people that are not as well off as we are, or when it comes time for us to help accomplish the mission of God, all of a sudden we get, where'd my money go disease? It's weird. The rich people were giving large gifts in proportion to their income. A second takeaway, even poor people were giving to God. That giving to God is good for all people, not just rich people. It's good for everybody. Third thing, she gives even after she has lost her husband and her financial security. This is unbelievable faith because real faith is when you respond to God even when you feel like God hasn't been responding to you. Real faith is when you pray to God even when you feel like he hasn't been listening. Real faith is when you trust God even when things haven't been going the way you thought. Real faith is taking a step of faith, believing that God's gonna be there for you, even when you feel like he hasn't been there in a while. This woman has been losing right and left. She's lost the man she loved. There is a cool side to her bed. She lost her provider. She's alone. She's running out. She's now in poverty. She's now finding herself at a church and she gives what she has, which tells you something about her, that her hope isn't in this world. Her hope is someplace else. And that is why God pauses, tells all of his guys to come over and says, look at how big that gift is. When you're dealing with Jesus, sometimes things just don't add up. There's another takeaway. 
and we're gonna get into like deep theological waters for just a split second. There are these omnis when you refer to God. Uh, one of the omnis is that he's omnipotent. He has unlimited power. He can do anything. There's nothing God can't do. Uh, second one that you guys may have, uh, he's, he's not only omnipotent, uh, but that he is omnipresent, which means that God is everywhere. There's not a place you've been that God isn't at. And there's this third one. Uh, I gotta make sure I spell it right because that would just be just horrible after I did that whole opening illustration. Omniscient. What this means is, is that God knows everything. Here's what I mean by that. When I say God knows everything, Psalm 139 says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. When your alarm clock went up, went off today, and you sat up in your bed, he knew when you were gonna do it. When your leg falls asleep on the toilet because you've been flipping through your phone so long, God knows when you're gonna get up. He knew it. He was like, yeah, it's about time. You're gonna lose that right leg if you don't stand up, brother, okay? When you perceive my thoughts from afar, you discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, uh-oh, he knew what you were gonna say before you even, he's, he's omniscient. Psalm 33 says this, from heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. Uh, here's another one, Hebrews chapter four. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. There's a part of this that should make us really happy. It means that in those most joyous moments that you've ever had, he knew about it. He was with you in it. As you navigate the loss of a loved one, He knows about it. The anguishing prayers that you don't even know how to formulate before the word is even in your mouth, he has seen it from afar. That there's never been a tear that you have cried that he did not anticipate. That the deep sorrow that you can barely express, he knows it. He sees your hurt over a broken relationship. He sees your struggle and your hardship. He sees it all. And for many of us, that's super encouraging. There's this other implication though. It's not so good. He sees our sin. He sees it all. Not only does he see our sin, he sees us contemplating the sin before we act on the sin. That's why Jesus says, hey man, you're not getting any brownie points 
when you choose not to have sex with somebody who's not your wife, if you even think about it, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Everybody else was worried about whether or not they were committing adultery in their pants. And God was going, well, actually, before you even get up, I saw you processing it. And if you're a sinner like me, <laughs> that's a bummer. Because he sees it all. He sees my greed. He sees my selfishness. He sees my hate. He sees all the areas that I have not turned over to him. And we read that story of the widow, and we go, oh, isn't that interesting? Jesus was right there seeing what everybody was giving. Well, if he's omniscient and he sees everything, that means that he sees my giving. But more importantly than that, sees my heart. Everybody else at the temple that day, they were just looking at the amount of money. But Jesus was looking at the amount of heart. How can a poor widow put in more money than rich people when what she put in was only worth a few pennies? It's because in God's math, Heart is more important than amount. With God, things just don't always add up. Matthew chapter six says this, do not store it for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store it for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We're given this option. That is a cloud. I'm gonna to have to tell you what I'm drawing so you don't come to some weird theological conclusion. Oh my God, I did not do good in art, okay? And that's earth. And what God's saying is you and I have a choice about where to put our treasure. We can either keep it here where moth and rust destroy or we can put it here where it can't be destroyed. And then what he tells us is a scary thing. He says, well, wherever your treasure is, your heart will be also. And what we wanna do is we wanna put our money here and we wanna have our heart up there. But God's saying where this goes that goes, and where your heart goes, your money goes. And in God's math, heart is more important than amount. Now, how does that end up? It's because for Jesus, our why is more important than our what. The what's the amount, but the why is what determines the amount. And after we answer our why, why are we giving? Why are we helping? Why are we distrib are distributing instead of accumulating? All of that is centered around a why. And if our amount is struggling, it's probably because our why is struggling. Because our reason will always impact our response. 
So this week, here's what I want you guys to do at all of our different locations. I want you to do one of the same things I asked you to do last week. I want you to share your Land of Sea story and I want you to read some Land of Sea stories. Second thing I want you to do is I want you to take a step and tell your heart where it's supposed to go. I want you to do something to move your heart in the direction of where you want it to be. And you do that by reallocating treasure. Third thing I want you to do, super excited about this one. This week, I want us to bless all of our teachers, our principals, our janitors, our teacher's aides, our security guards, our SAMs, our superintendents, our school boards, our whatever it is. Here's what I want you to do. Uh, if it's a McDonald's gift certificate, if it's a coffee gift certificate, I want you to sit down with your kids and I want you to go, all right, who are some people in your school that you wanna bless with a $5 card, $10 card? And I want you to come up with it and then I want you to work with your kids or you just do it yourself and you just write them a thank you card. If you're a grandparent, you don't have any kids in the school system, how about you take over the school board uh, and you hit all the people that, you know, that, that your kids won't do it. Uh, Jennifer and I, uh, <laughs> I said, hey kids, let's do this. And they're like, how many, how many cards do we need? And uh, by the time we got there, uh, they were at 25. And I was like, no, we're not doing, we're not doing 25 cards. There's no, there's no way we're gonna write 25 cards. So we like narrowed it down to 20. And my kids can't wait to do this. And you get an opportunity to talk to your kids about generosity and to bless teachers. Has it been tough to be a teacher in 2020? Have they felt all kinds of pain? Has their families had to do all kinds of suffering while they're navigating? If you're a principal or a superintendent, could you have any more people be frustrated to you at any given time? Because no matter what you do, there's an unbelievable amount of people. And wouldn't it be nice if people who love Jesus were just to come alongside him and say, hey, here's some coffee on us, we love you. I think, that's, I think you guys could do that. Now, some of you are wondering, why is this so important? Why is our why so important and how does our why determine our what? I'll tell you why is because that's how Jesus operated with you and me. Jesus uh, was up in heaven in perfection, you'll remember this. And he looked down and he saw something. He saw you and he saw me. And he saw that we were separated from God and that sin had fractured our relationship and he saw everything that resulted of that sin. He saw the pain and the suffering and the hate and the evil and the death and the sickness. And he saw a world slowly being ripped in half and then ripped in half again and then ripped in half again. And he saw the collective pain of all of human history as divorce kills homes and as uh, poverty wreaks havoc and as people begin to suffer. And he looks from heaven and he sees us. And we became his, his why. And once he realized his why, he was ready to do the what. When you look at the cross and you see all the pain and suffering and anguish that Jesus faced, he didn't, he didn't choose the cross in a vacuum. He decided what he was gonna do after he saw why he was going to, to do it. And so Jesus, He left heaven and he came to earth to make a way for you and I to go from earth 
to heaven. You and I, we are his why. And when we respond to him, we help other people do the same. We're moving to a time of decision. Thank you for joining us. A special thank you to those of you that choose to give to this ministry. It's because of your generosity that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit thecrossing.net forward slash podcast for more information. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, tagging One Crossing on social media. Thank you so much for listening.